You want to hear something crazy? Ephesians 6 says, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. I know, it sounds like something from a Marvel movie. But here's the thing, it's true. So if it's true, what can we do to combat the enemy's schemes? Stick around, because that's exactly what we're talking about on today's show. Hey, welcome to this week's broadcast. TJ and I are here, ready to go through the Word of God with you. And uh, we just want to thank you for tuning in and listening. And we think we have something special for you today. By the way, we have a special announcement, right, TJ? Yeah. We've got a new book that's getting ready to come out. And the title of the book is Who Said God Won't Forgive You? So the book is all about forgiveness. And it's just, uh, I just can't wait to get it into the hands of uh, other people, TJ. Yeah, man. You've been working on it for a while, really, since... Uh Really, since we started the broadcast two years ago, I think you were telling me that you were you were preparing for another book. You just started preparing, I think, at that time. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while, and yeah. then through the pandemic, through the pandemic, I got the book done. Yep, you know. So, so what inspired this one? Give us a little background on it. You know, I uh, started thinking about how much God has forgiven me for all my mm. stupidity, mistakes, sin, everything, and and uh, I've I found out you know, that not a lot of people really understand the true forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, like right. the power of forgiveness, how much God forgives you. For for example, one of the chapters in the book is about how when God forgives, he remembers our sin no more, chapter 8 in the book. That blows my mind. Yeah. Like, you know, because like if you get in an argument with somebody or something, and they say, I forgive you, but they may not really forgive you. Right. Well, God... It's totally different, and I'm just trying to get the word out through this book that, hey, when God forgives you, you're forgiven. It's kind of something we're going to talk about today. You know, We're going to talk about the devil's schemes, mm. and one of the devil's schemes is to use our sins against us. Right. It's, cra- it's crazy, right? Because, yeah, God forgives and forgets, but the devil never forgets. It's like an elephant. Oh, my gosh. Never that's, forgets. That's, that's right. He's like an elephant. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, in Revelation chapter 12... Verse 10, the the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. Mm. So what he does is he constantly accuses you of things that you've done wrong. You know, and, and like he wears people out. Yeah. You know, he'll say, hey, man, you you did whatever, you know, and then uh, you can never be forgiven for that. That's the seed that he plants because he's he's a liar. So, so I wrote a book, one, to uh, combat that and tell people, no, once you repent and you ask God to forgive you, you're forgiven. I care what anybody tells you, a pastor, a priest, a pope, or the devil himself. If you give your life to Jesus Christ and you go through the sinless blood of Jesus Christ and you ask and you repent, you turn away from your sin, just like the Bible teaches, listen, no matter what you've done, you're forgiven. So that's what the book's about. That's awesome, man. I think that's so huge, especially that second part, because how many of us, like, I was raised in church, you know, you were raised in Catholic church, right? Right. So how many of us have heard uh, forgiveness, 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 you know, like, you hear this all the time, but how many of us are really taught from an early age that God forgives and forgets? Even now as a Christian, you know, when you make a mistake and you sin, because, you know, we all fall into temptation, right? And uh, there's this thing that happens sometimes is you'll either you'll two things will happen you'll either repent and get right back in track with god uh, you know enjoying him as your father 
or you'll you'll be in condemnation. You'll think that right. You know he doesn't want to talk to you. And Adam did that. You know when Adam and Eve sinned, yeah, they hid from God. Right. And and the Bible says that God came looking for them and was like, Adam, where are you? That's the question he asked. You know. So yeah. So the book's about all that. Set people free. It's not a license to sin, obviously, because there's I talk about that in the book. There's consequences to your sin. Absolutely. So. But there is also forgiveness of of sin, and like you can never be forgiven more than when God pardons you, forgives you, wipes your sin clean. You know, I got ten chapters, ten different things in this book that God does with sin, mm. and one of them is remembers them no more. Hebrews eight twelve. Yeah. which is my favorite chapter in that book, in the new book. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, too, is if you truly repent, right? Because, like you said, it doesn't give you, like, we're not sitting here telling you, like, hey, go out and sin because God doesn't care. Right. You know, like, if you if you ask for forgiveness, God doesn't care. Like, the, the key part of that is repentance, meaning that you have to not only ask for forgiveness, but you have to turn away from your sin. Right. You know, you have to make that hard left away, run that's the other right. way from it. That's right. So yeah, man, I'm excited. Um, I you know I remember getting the your first book, Worry Less, Pray More, years ago, and burning through that. So I'm excited to to burn. Actually, that that came into my life at a really tough time. So that was a really really helpful book for uh, me to read, and I know this one's going to be just as awesome. So oh, thank you. Looking yeah, I'm forward excited. to it. Yeah, we'll get them out in a couple of weeks and uh, help you know let our listeners. If you want the book, just go to GodTaughtMe.com and. Uh, It'll be on our website. There'll be a link where you can email us at info at GodTaughtMe.com. Get a hold of TJ or me. Somehow, TJ will get the book to him, right? Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah. Getting the book in the hands there, of people. I'll tell you what. I think out of uh, out of everything with the Worry Less, Pray More book, that's been the most impressive part of that book is seeing how it's gone out. Right. You know? like yeah. Like... Trust me when I say, like, these books go out. Yeah, they go out. So, Dave, how many copies of that book do you think went around the world? Uh, do you even I know think, anymore? I don't even know. I lost count, but it's got to be around, it's got to be approaching, in, you know, in the mid-30,000s or near 40,000. I, I remember the when I mailed a copy to Australia, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, like somebody from Australia wanted the book, so. Yeah, and then we had it, you know, you had it copied in Spanish. Spanish, and it just left last week. Wow. Uh, it went to Mexico wow. for a missions trip. So uh, I would, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's still going out, and maybe this one will surpass that, you know, and, and who knows? It's all in God's hands. Yeah. You know, we give them away for free, so that's, that's awesome. Key, the same I mean? same plan with this one? Same plan, yeah. yeah. Are you, are, by God, or, you know, his rules on, on your life, are you not allowed to write a book unless you're going to give it away for free? Well, is he ever going to let you, you know, make I think some? the next one will be like a regular <laughs> yeah, that you published sell. book. It'll yeah. be on Amazon and all that. But, the, you know, these last two, God's hasn't given me the green light right. to sell them. You yeah. know what I mean? And just rely on him. Yeah. And that's the incredible part was like watching Worry Less, Pray More. Right. You know, those books are cost thousands of dollars to get printed. And uh, every time I remember you coming to me, like somebody just gave us a check to send all these Spanish books to the yep. Dominican Republic, like Isn't that crazy? not even asking for it. Right. And so God taught me the name of our ministry and website. Mm -hmm. God taught me that, you know, it's more powerful. It's hard, though, to rely on God and not open your mouth. But 
one of the most powerful things you can do is just stay in prayer right. and watch God move. And it's like, wow. And I've watched him move. And, and he's, he's, he's done abundantly more than I can ask or think with the Worry Less, Pray More book, you know, which is a verse, Ephesians 3.20. But yeah, good stuff. Right. And I'm sure, you know, the whole time while you're writing your book, there's, there's some, some stuff going on in the background, you know, with Satan scheming to keep you from, from writing, to, to put, plant these seeds in your mind that, hey, Chris, you know, this isn't really what God told you to do. This isn't really, you know, wasn't really his plan. You heard him wrong. You know, this book doesn't need to go out. Ah, you know, just take today off. You know, he plants those little things in your brain just to keep you from doing stuff. I'm sure that was going on. So tell, tell me a little bit about what was oh. going on maybe in the background and, and kind of how that's going to lead us into today. Well, I can literally say you just, like, nailed it. Like, you just hit the nail on the head. The hardest thing I ever did was write the Worry Less, Pray More book. Right. Because of the enemy's schemes. Hmm. Like, he doesn't want you to write a book, you know, to teach people how to pray. And give it out for free. And give it out for yeah. free. And, and people receive forgiveness, because it talks about that. Right. The Worry Less, Pray More book, you know, uh, as well. But, yeah, I have seen both the blessing and the favor and the hand of God in, in writing these books and giving them out for free. But I've also seen the enemy... Uh, try to trip me up every imaginable way, uh, including with um, planting seeds in my mind saying, you know, you're going to give this book away for free? You know, how's that going to happen? You know, and, and uh, to uh, nobody's going to read it, to um, you're wasting your time, uh, you could be doing better things than sitting here writing this book, to it's not going to work. No, you know, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I think I've heard it all. Yeah. You know, to my computer breaking and blowing up. Yeah, uh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like everything that you can possibly imagine. Yeah. And especially the one that you mentioned, um, just be, keeping you busy. There's an acronym for the word busy, B-U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. Wow. Yeah, so... You have to learn all these things too. Like you have to learn, like you have an enemy. You have to learn that he's out to get. You have to learn that he's a liar. And one of the best ways to do that is to write a, a book about God and His forgiveness through His Son Jesus Christ. And you'll 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 discover real quick who the enemy is. Yeah, you know what I mean? or that he exists anyway. Yeah. So you go to school real quick. You go to school real. quick. You do anything for the Lord, like you'll go to school real quick on on spiritual warfare. Oh gosh, it's so true. Yeah, yeah. The 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 you want to avoid anything like that, don't do anything for the Lord, right? Right. <laughs> like sit there just, and just, sit there and be stagnant. Oh gosh, just be quiet. But don't say anything to anybody. Yep. And uh, you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. You know? But what but you'll kind never of, see the power of God. I was either. gonna say, what kind of life is that, man? That's not the life I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. That's so true. We want to let you know the enemy has schemes and the Bible talks about that. Don't be ignorant, it says, of of the uh devil's schemes. And uh, one of his best schemes and, uh, is, like I said, he plants lies in your head, even about your sin, you know, that God doesn't want to talk to you, God's not your friend, you know, God's ashamed of you, uh, all these things, because I've been there. Yeah. Like, we're not doing a radio broadcast because we read some book or watched a show, you know. A lot of our stuff that that you and I talk about is from personal experience. Right? right, stuff we've been through. Right. So I know there's an enemy. 
I know he lies, and I know that when we sin, he wants to say, oh, I got something yeah. that I can use against TJ or Chris. You know, and he tries to keep you away from God after you sin. Keep the sin train going. Mm. You know, so it's 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 crazy how it works, but it's true. And there's a lot of people uh, that are listening right now that probably feel the same way. They've sinned, and they're like, what do I do now? You know, God's out to get me. That's what happened to me. I, I became a Christian, and I would make a mistake, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just thought that. Whatever it is that I did, I was like, that's it. I sealed my fate. Mm. I've out sinned the, the, the forgiveness of God. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I would call a friend of mine. His name was Mike. I'd say, Mike, I did it. I've out sinned the grace of God or whatever. He goes, Chris, 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 1 John 1, 9, Chris. If you confess your sins to God, two things are going to happen. It says right in the verse, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He goes, Chris, if you repent and you ask God to forgive you, and, and this always stuck with me, what I'm going to say next, you'll be as pure as the untouched snow. And I was like, wow. So now when I confess my sins to God, I always think of snow because the Bible says God cleanses you from all unrighteousness. It's like there's not a license of sin there, but yeah. when you fall into temptation you know, and you make that mistake, there is forgiveness and a cleansing to the degree that God looks at you, TJ, like you've never sinned. That's the miracle. And that that's what I'm trying to tell people in the, in the new book that's coming out. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, we've all definitely been there before. I mean, I know I know that I've definitely been there before where I've been like, I mean, not, and it's not something that's like, uh, you know, a few hours long. Like I've been months and months beat down by the weight of my sin, you know, knowing, knowing that God, you know, in, in the back of my mind, knowing that God cleanses, cleanses me when I ask for forgiveness, but not allowing myself to believe that, you know what I mean? Right. There's a oh, difference yeah. between knowing and belief. So like knowing it and then, and then not, it's, it's a shame because then you can't become, you can't become the full person that God wants you to be when you're living under the weight of your own sin. It's so true. And it's like, how many people are out there? How many people are listening to us right now that have sinned and they think they can't be forgiven? Yeah, they just can't get out from under they it. They can't get out yeah. from under it. They're, they're, they're messed up in their mind right now. They're like, oh, I, I can't step foot in the church again. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, it's so it's such a lie. Yeah. Because the minute they, they stop, like if they were to pull their car over right now and say, Lord, forgive me, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry for what I did. I repent. I won't do it again. Right at that moment, all these things go into effect. One of them is you're forgiven, right? It's amazing. And the second thing that happens, God will remember your sin no more, mm -hmm. right? And we could go on and on, but it's, it's a scheme of the enemy to try to trap you in condemnation, you know, and think that you can never be forgiven or, or to make you feel shame. You know, so he's got a black belt in that. And uh, there's a verse where it talks about put on the whole armor of God. Why? It says, put on the full armor of God, comma, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So there's that word, schemes, and that's what we're talking about, which I looked up in a dictionary, right? It says, it's a large-scale, systematic plan 
or arrangement for obtaining a particular object or put or putting a particular idea into effect. That's a scheme. But I, I tend to, I, I think I looked in another dictionary where it's like it had the word evil. Like it's like an evil intent, a scheme. Right. You know, it's not just a plan. Yeah. Right. You wouldn't call like planning your budget a scheme. You know, <laughs> if you're going to go. Excellent. Do something, <laughs> do something that's evil. Yeah. Steal something or something like that, which we hope nobody does ever. But there are schemes that are done, you know. Uh, like the casinos are a great example. You know, when I was a detective for a little while, I was assigned to this unit called uh, the Financial Crimes Unit. Oh, my word. You don't know how many schemes are going on daily. Oh, my gosh. I could only imagine. In the casino. Yeah. It's crazy. It's from large-scale gambling, cheating systems to people walking through the aisles trying to steal people's pocketbooks. Right. All day long, there's schemes going on, and people plan them out. So that's what I look when I hear the word scheme. I'm thinking of an evil plan. That's crazy, man. Well, I got two uh, two uh, book recommendations. Okay. If you're interested about the devil's schemes at all, and you've probably read one of them, probably the the best book I've ever read about the devil's schemes is Screw Tape Letters. Oh, by C.S. Lewis. Have you ever read that? Yes. So that immediately jumped out Forgot to me. Forgot about that. Book. Yeah, it's written from the perspective of two demons. Right. One demon is an is the younger demon's uncle. So and it's Uncle Screw Tape. Right. So he's like mentoring this younger demon on how to how to steer this guy away from the Lord and in like the second chapter the guy actually gets saved and the younger demon is like reprimanded because he allowed him to get saved. The other big thing that I thought was really interesting in that book um, is how the uncle is how the uncle schemes versus how the younger demon schemes, right? A lot of us think like the younger demon in this book, and I don't mean to give the whole so spoiler alert. I don't mean to give the whole book away, but I think it's very important. Who's to, the author of the book again? It's C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Okay. So um, screw tape letters. Screw tape letters. It's right. so good. And uh, the younger demon in this book. So it's like his first case, they say. It's like his first patient or something. I think they call him a patient, the, right. you know, the human. And he thinks like how a lot of us think, how I used to think. I thought the devil was out there trying to make me like like do these big sins, you know, like cheat on my wife, like right. do drugs, rob a like bank. rob a bank. Yeah, like these big time sins that you're like, whoa, like in our mind, you know, our, our finite minds are like, that's a big sin. You know what I mean? And like, I thought he was out there just to get me to like do the big one all at once. Well, that's what the younger demon is trying to do. He keeps trying to plant these things in this guy's life to make him do these big ones, and it's not working. He can't get him. He can't get him to stray. He's like, huh. so he keeps writing to his uncle for advice. What can I do next? And the uncle is like, you got to rechange your thinking, man. You got to make him do these little sins. So you just plant these little ideas, wow. and what happens is they build and build and build and build and build. So he takes a step, like today he takes a step off the path, and then the next day he takes another little step off the path. Well, in 30 days down the road, he's completely veered off the path because he's taking these 30 little steps, right? Yeah. And I was like, man, that just hit me super hard, and it completely changed my thinking to how the devil schemes because instead of looking out for like, all right, I'm going to stay away from drugs. I'm not going to cheat on my spouse. I'm not going to, you know, like I'm not right. going to rob a bank. Right. Instead of looking for like the big ways, I'm like my thinking completely flipped to the other way where now I'm looking for like, all right, well, what what's the devil trying to put in my life to make me do these little sins that I don't even realize I'm sinning 
in. Right. You know, like I don't even yeah. realize that's a sin. Little to compromises. Where little compromises that you make on a daily basis where one day you wake up and you're like, oh no. How'd I get here? How'd I get here? Yeah. Which has happened to me. Right. So, wow. and now I'm like, after reading that book and, and after having, you know, life experience to know that, all right, I've already experienced this happen to me. You know, now I'm aware of how the devil does that, of how his, his schemes, like it's a scheme, man. It's a, like, it's a systematic plan, just is, like it says in a dictionary. Exactly. And it's a long-term plan. Like the devil is in it for the long-term. Oh, that's a great like, point. He's not looking overnight. He knows that the only way to truly to get you to stray is if you take those, enough of those little, like he's just throwing darts at you just to knock, knock you off the path just enough every day that you're gone eventually and not yeah. without even realizing it. Yeah. And then one day you wake up and it's just like, whoa. It's kind of like, you know, the FBI. Yeah. Right. So like in the, in the past when I was, you know, still in law enforcement before I became a full-time pastor, we always heard, we we're like, where are these guys? You know, like they're not, they're not, they're not arresting anybody, yeah. you know, they'll be working a case for 10 years. But the, the, the word on the street always was, look, if the FBI arrests you and they a lot like actually charge you with something, you're done because like they've they've like spent 10 years right they watching you recording you surveilling you yeah mounts and mounts of evidence because they just never want to lose a case right right whereas you know we'll see somebody do something and boom you know you'll 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 work the case right there however they're not like that they're slow methodical very not mm. in a rush you know let's get more evidence let's you know but if you ever see them bring somebody out of an office building you know, usually like a financial crime or something. They're like, oh my gosh, if they made an arrest, then... That's could, a big deal. Yeah, you could pretty much say that guy's got a lot of stuff, against, you know, like evidence yeah. pending against him. And what you're saying is the enemy, he's the same way. He's long-term minded instead of short-term. He tries to get you off the path, obviously, short-term. If it works, it works. Yeah. But But his goal is to keep working on you. Keep working on you. Keep, don't give up. Yep. Eventually, you'll get this guy out of church. Eventually, you get this guy out of the Bible. Eventually, you'll get this guy, you know, to to uh, stop spending time in prayer. You know, like we said, busy, being busy. under Satan's yeah. yoke. It's a great scheme. It's, it's a great like, scheme. So what's his scheme? You think he's going to come at your door with a pitchfork, right? Exactly, yeah. That's you how know? I used to think. Yeah. yeah. No, he comes at you with busyness. He comes at you with a promotion, <laughs> you know, in your yep, job. For sure. And if it's keeping you out of the Word of God, he'll come at you with with... Because I watch this happen. Little League Baseball. Oh, gosh. I saw a family who their son was gifted in baseball. Great family. Loved them. Loved them both. Started started not uh, missing fellowship, missing fellowship on Sundays. And the next thing I knew, they were no longer in church. And they they fell out of it all because of baseball. And they were always at the baseball games. And then what happened? Then they got divorced. Hmm. Then what happened? Seems like they've struggled for many years after, you know? Yeah. Did their son ever play professional baseball? No. And so, like, I've watched it happen, but I, I, I think it was a scheme. Dude, I lived that. Wow. I've lived, like, I. it's funny because I said to my parents the other day, I was like, we were just talking about parenting and like, you know, my kids are so young. So I'm still like, I'm trying to like soak it all in from other parents, you right, know, trying to right. like, all right, what'd you guys do that work? What'd you guys do that didn't work? You know, all that kind of stuff. And we were just chatting about how they raised me and, um, you know, what they really thought 
was good and you know what they thought was an issue. And I said, looking back on my life, I think that my parents allowed us to put too much emphasis on sports, on being athletes. Just like you said, because I was never, I wasn't even gifted, dude. Like I was like, okay. You know, like I was a decent hockey player. I was okay. I really loved it. I really loved hockey. So, you know, you see your kid loves something. I guess it's a, it's a temptation to, you know, allow them to play that sport 24 seven. So I literally played 24 seven, you know, I had games Saturdays and Sundays. So what happens, you know, your games start out just on Saturdays, but then you go up to the next level. Well, then you got games Saturdays and Sundays. So right. now you're missing church, right? Well, then you got practices all week long. So now you're missing youth group. You know, you're missing all the stuff that like as a kid is so instrumental in your life critical. growing up critical. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up, like I say, I grew up going to church, but like, man, from like my early teen years, probably even younger than that, like 11, 12 to all the way through my teen years, like I wasn't really going to church because I was at, I was at hockey all the time, right. you know, and my sister was a good softball player. So she was at softball all the time. Right. So like, then you get into your, like, you know, your early twenties and you're like, oh man, like, what was that stuff that I learned about, you know, right. way back when, right. you know, and you're trying to figure out life and, and everything. And that's when I truly got saved was in my early twenties, but it's just crazy. Like how, how we allow that stuff to take And it's like, there's nothing bad about like, there's nothing bad about no, hockey, you know, like about sports. Right. But we allow, like you said, you let a uh, little league baseball, you yeah. know, like my parents let, let little league hockey and softball take over where, church should have been in place. And I said, you know, that's the one thing I, I hope that I do with my kids because like, like you said, I, my kids got my jeans. Like, I don't think they're going pro in, in anything. They, luckily they have Sarah's jeans too. She's a better athlete than me, but so maybe they have a, a shot, but I just hope that we don't compromise on that when they're older, you know, when they come to us and they want to play travel, whatever, you know, and, and right. they're showing a little bit of talent. I hope we don't compromise and say, ah, you know, it's just a couple of weeks of church here, you know, but then like you, like we said in the beginning, like then that turns into a couple months and turns into a couple yep. years. And then it's like, whoa, where did we get? Like, if, I, if I didn't witness it, it wouldn't have scared me like it does now, yeah. you know, because it's scary <laughs> to me to watch a great family, great family to be shipwrecked. The bottom line is there's nothing wrong with sports. One of my daughters is very gifted athletically. Yeah. And uh, one of her gifts, which she really doesn't play that much anymore, was golf, is golf. She can just, she's one of those types of people that can blow the dust off her golf clubs and really play well. But, uh, you know, you have to be careful because you said, I hope that I'm not that type of person, you know, that would compromise with my kids if they're, if they're gifted or not, you know, with the sports. Yeah. I would say have a plan expect it have a plan to combat the enemy's schemes when he comes at you in that way because he's going to come right you have three kids he's going to come at you in a whole you know bunch of different ways and uh that's what we don't realize the enemy like the, the book the screw tape letters you don't realize how the enemy is scheming against you and we're not saying there's a devil under every rock you know, there's a demon under every rock or, you know, you have to fear or whatever. No, we're just saying be aware. The Bible says be aware. Don't be ignorant of, of the enemy's schemes, you know. It says in uh, 1 Peter uh, 5.8 that we have an enemy, you know, who is 
desiring to wreak havoc in our lives. So that's what the Bible says. Not what TJ says, not what Chris is saying. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8 that we have an enemy, you know, and that he's trying to do damage in our lives. Right, and I think that's the point because it's not like we're saying like Little League is is evil. Hockey right. Is no, evil, we're not saying right? that at all. We're saying enjoy it actually. Yeah, enjoy it. But just keep it. God first. Just keep God first. Yeah, keep God first. Exactly. Because if you don't keep God first, the enemy can take anything right. and turn it into something that can hurt you. Right. You know? Yeah. So and it, it could be anything. It could be anything. He'll want to use anything he can against you to keep you from fellowshipping with God and keep you close to the Lord. And, and what... My intention today was to say he will use your sin, which people think, well, that's obvious, Chris. He's going to use... No, what I'm talking about is he's going to use your sin. When you sin and when you make a mistake, guilt, shame comes sometimes, and it comes from the enemy. It's not from God, right? God says, Adam, where are you? Chris, where are you? TJ, where are you? Well, Lord, I sinned, so I'm hiding from you. Son, where are you? Right? What did the prodigal son when he went back to his dad? Right? Was there was there shame, condemnation? When he said, Father, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against God, and I've sinned against you. He put a robe on him. He 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 had a feast. He made his servants. He was a wealthy guy and he had his servants cook food. And he put a ring on, on his son's hand. He hugged and kissed his son. Because why? Because his son repented, he asked for forgiveness. If, if, if you're ever feeling shame or guilt because something you've done, the best thing you can do is throw your car in park, you know, whatever you're at. Sometimes Get I, off that treadmill. And- yeah, get off the treadmill. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm in the shower, I'll say, Lord, forgive me. Change my heart. You know, if I'm angry with somebody, I'll say, Lord, forgive me. That's... You know, people use this word repentance, TJ, and they think it's like a big biblical word. And it is a big biblical word. It's a very important word. Yeah, it's word. got a few syllables. Yeah. <laughs> but it simply means it simply means to say, Lord, I made a mistake. I'm not doing that anymore. You ever get in an argument with your wife? No, never. Never. It's Me never either. Happened. So so we can't talk about that. <laughs> of course, of course I Yeah, have. me too. And there was a time in particular, I remember getting in an argument with my wife, and I walked into my house, and I said sarcastically in the kitchen of my home, while she's out back in the backyard sitting in a, in a, in a lawn chair, we're both mad at each other at this moment, right? Because she's right, and, and I'm right. We're both thinking we're right. I walk into the house, and, I, and, I, and I'm walking around the kitchen, and I, like, I go like this sarcastically. I say, oh, I know what I'm doing. Lord, I know what I'm doing. I got this all figured out. But really, in a few moments, I said, Lord, what am I doing? I'm being a knucklehead, right? Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, and help me to get right with my wife. I went right back out the back door, not knowing if she was going to like be receptive or not. But I just said, hey, I'm so sorry. Sorry for what I said. Sorry for what I did. Forgive me. And you know what? She said, hey, I'm sorry, too. That's really, you know, that's uh, repentance isn't rocket science. But what repentance does is shut down the enemy in your life. He shuts down the lies. He shuts down the power. Repentance shuts down all kinds of things. And I got a verse for that, and it's in uh, James. It says, 
Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and, here's the promise, he will flee from you. The devil will flee from you. It's shutting the door. You ever slam the door in somebody's face? Mm-hmm. It's like slamming the door in the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So when you make a mistake, the best thing you can do is say, Lord, forgive me. You're submitting to God in that moment. You know, you could be driving in your car, you could be taking a shower, you could be walking your dog, you could be doing anything. Repentance isn't like you don't have to go to the church and wait for it to open at eight o'clock right. and go to the altar and repent. And ask the pastor to Ooh. help. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have it's a direct, 24/7 direct line. Yes. Yeah. I so. love that. I love that because so many times we feel like we have to, I, I know in my life, not, not, you know, waiting for the church to open and going to talk with the pastor. I mean, I've done that too, but in my life, I almost feel like sometimes, all right, like I made this massive mistake and I, and I feel so guilty. I almost feel like I can't repent for that until I've done A, B, and C good things to get back right with God. Like, all right, the next day I want to open my Bible and, you know, read a couple chapters and then do something good for somebody, you know? And then, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like in my mind, I'm like, ah, uh, I really screwed up. Well, God's not going to take me back until I do something good. Right. I felt that way too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not true. It's not at all. I mean, woof. it's the, really not. The bottom line is if you repent, right? Which I, I, I look at as like making a U-turn. Yeah. The Bible says one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 8, 12, I will remember their sins no more. Man, where are you going to go? To get that type of forgiveness. Only through God in Christ Jesus. I'll tell you what, it really only is because... Nobody forgives like that. Nobody. I mean, you might know somebody in your neighborhood or your school or I don't know. But who forgives and remembers it no more? Right. To be honest with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I've been in circumstances with friends and family where... And I'm sure I have people that feel the same about me from certain things I've done to them or, you know, where I still have like, there's people that have wronged me. Right. And I still, I'm still friendly with them. You know, I'm still somewhat close with them. I've forgiven them, but I'll tell you what, every now and then it'll creep in the back of my mind that don't forget that they did that to you. Right. You know, like creeps up. Yeah. So Man, By a scheme of the enemy. Probably. Yeah. You're right. Fiery dart. It probably is because like God, if that person has asked for forgiveness, we should we should be the same. We should not 100%. remember their sin, you know, at all. And but as a human, it's like it's it's not an easy thing to do. So to know to know being on the end of that, being the person who has been wronged and then had to forgive and struggle with forgetting, it puts that much more weight on it in my mind that that God truly forgets, right? Like. Yeah. It's just so much more weighty. You know, like that's a struggle to forget. It's a struggle to forgive, honestly, too. Yes. But it's even more of a struggle to forgive and forget. So you just like nailed it again. Like people need to know the true character of God. Like there's a lot of attributes for God. And maybe we could do a broadcast someday on that. Yeah. But what TJ and I are saying today is listen, you have an enemy. First Peter 5 8, read that verse. 
it'll tell you that you have an enemy, right? You don't have to fear that enemy because you have the Lord on your side. If you've asked Jesus Christ for forgiveness, the Bible says that you know God as a father, that you're redeemed, that you're forgiven, forever forgiven. But the enemy will try to use your daily sins, mistakes against you and bring you into condemnation and try to keep you away from God. But what we're telling you today is that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there's a God in heaven who when you repent and confess your sins to him, he says, I remember your sins no more. You want to talk about destroying the work of the devil, TJ? That's how you destroy the work of the devil. Right. You repent and believe right. what the Word says about God's forgiveness. People don't believe that God will forgive them. You know, People that had abortions you know, struggle with the concept of God forgiving them. Yeah. You know? And it's, well, and that's like, and in our mind, that's one of those like big ones. Right. You know? So it's like, yeah, God's going to believe, or not believe, but God's going to forgive me for, you know, something stupid, something that doesn't really affect anybody. Right. But, or, yeah. or I'm a good person. I don't do all these other things wrong. Right. Right. But yeah. God looks at sin no different degrees. Yep. You know, it's all sin in his sight. So if you've, if you've done something that you feel is like a big, big, big sin that you can't be forgiven for, it's not true. The Bible says that's why God sent Jesus Christ to, to this earth, so that we can be forgiven. He allowed him to be tempted, and Jesus did, never sinned. And then when he was crucified on that cross, dying for our sins, God actually put our sins upon Jesus so that God looks at us when we repent and give our lives to Jesus Christ like we've never sinned. And I'm telling you, man, that blows my mind. Blows my mind that God remembers my sin no more. Things that I did last year that I repented from, guess what? God says, I remember them no more. They're not an issue anymore, Chris. They're under the blood of my son. I look at you as if you'd never sinned. Man, come on. I mean, that, if that doesn't make you shout for joy, uh, listening to this broadcast, yeah, you know, if you've done something wrong, just repent. We've all been there. We've all done stuff wrong, right? And we're gonna continue. Yeah, we make we we make mistakes until we get you know on the other side of heaven. But there's a weapon. It's called confession. Yep. The weapon of confession. It will destroy the work of the devil, and God is longing and waiting for you to confess. You know, things that you've done wrong, not to judge you, not to condemn you, but to put that robe around you and to hug you. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? The forgiveness of God and the devil's schemes, two polar ends of things. But you can't talk about one without the other, you know. So true. So true, man. Can I derail you for the last five minutes of the of yes. the broadcast yes. here? So say you take all this stuff to light. This is where I get like I like to go real deep here at the end okay, and uh, and throw these curveballs at you. So say you take all this to heart, right? Are you recording now? Or are you? I'm recording, yeah. Okay. Oh, we're not going to shut this off. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, we can. But... No, but I mean, you're asking me a legit question yeah. on the broadcast. Yeah, legit question on the broadcast. Okay. Why? So you've taken 1 Peter 5, 8 to heart. You know you have an enemy, right? You've taken James 4, 7, especially James 4, 7, that if you submit yourselves to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. Why does, or why, this is, because this is what pops into my head when I'm thinking, why does the devil still scheme? 
what's wow. what's in it for him? I, I I like I can't get my mind past that because we have we have this book, God's word, right in front of us. And you can skip to the end, man. And you know the ending. Right. Like we know the ending. Right. You know, and, and spo- spoiler alert again, God wins. Right. Right? That's right. So if we know if we know God wins, then Satan knows God wins. Yeah. So what is he like? I always think like, what is he doing? What's he even like? Why doesn't he just let us be? You know uh, what I mean? Like I I, I can't That's a great question. Yeah. Uh I think I have the answer. Awesome. Uh, but I'm not sure. But when I look at God and we talked about the character of God, Genesis 6 6 says that God has a heart. Like he's not just a, a being. Right. In, or, uh, you know, flying around on a spaceship with yeah. a brick in his chest, which I've said many times. But God has a heart. I don't know if it's like our heart, that's, you know, but the Bible talks about God having emotions and feelings. And what I think, TJ, is the devil actually knows the ending, knows that he's going to be sealed, his fate is sealed. And what he's doing, he's spending his resources on two things. One is he wants to break the very heart of God. Wow. So how does he do that? He goes after his children, By God's break, children. breaking us. By breaking us. Yeah. Grieves. The Bible talks about in Ephesians 4.30 that you can literally grieve. You know, when somebody's grieving, when they lost somebody from cancer or a child got killed in a car accident, people grieve, man. Yeah. Well, the Bible talks about Ephesians 4.30 that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. So if Satan knows that he can grieve the Holy Spirit. He may not be able to touch the Holy Spirit. He can get zapped and thrown. He got thrown out of heaven. Right. You know? But he can grieve God's heart. How can he do it? Sin. Sin mm. breaks the very heart of God. Genesis 6 6 says God has a heart. Keeping you stuck in that sin. Keeping you stuck in that sin, keeping you away from your father. Like when your your children are young now, but when they get older, and if they don't want to talk to you, imagine one of your children taking something from you and thinking, you know what, I made a mistake, but I don't want to ever see my dad again. He's going to, he's going to, people always say, when I get home, my dad's going to kill me, you know, because I just put a dent in his new Cadillac or whatever it is, right? (laughs) But got to know the character of God yeah, because that's not God. But the devil, through his schemes, will dupe you, fool you, trick you, deceive you, thinking that that is God. That God is a Marine Corps drill sergeant waiting to discipline you. And so what happens is we fall into that temptation of God doesn't really love me. God hates me. God's ashamed of my sin. Right. How could he love me because I did A, B, and C? Right. Yeah. But but your, your question is why does the devil do all that when he knows the end? He does that because he wants to break the heart of God. That's my that's a great Chris answer. Like their answer. Yeah. That's a great answer, Chris. I knew you were going to have a good answer, dude. <laughs> and I didn't know what you were going to ask. So, I, but I feel like that's so like it fits in so well though with what we're talking about today because again, we like we know like now, right? We know that there's we know there's an enemy. We know that he schemes and we know why he schemes. Right. And when you put all those three things together, wow. it's easier to to combat that. Right. It's easier to combat. He's after the heart of God. Right. He wants to break he wants to use me to break the heart of God. And in the process, if he if he's going to use me and he's going to deceive me and I'm going to do something sinful or stupid, 
the, the shame about it is, or the sadness is, other people's hearts are going to be broken. Usually, oh, yeah. usually, yeah, right. I mean, you nope. can have an isolated moment, you know, that v- you're very rare that your sin doesn't affect somebody, affect somebody else. There's yeah. consequences of sin. It's it's actually scary. Yeah, how it affects. You look at Israel's sin, huh. how it affected a whole yeah. nation. Right, they would go to the battle. Joshua went to battle a couple times, came back to God, went to the temple, said, "Lord, how, we're like you're with us. How come we're losing this battle?" God's like, "Because there's sin in your camp." Remember the sin of Achan who who mm-hmm. disobeyed God and he hid these items in his tent? One guy sinned and the whole nation was affected. Mm. They couldn't even win a battle. And they were scratching their heads saying, we just won a battle yesterday. Now we're like, you know, we can't even do anything right. It was because there were sin. Sin has consequences. But it doesn't, wasn't God that changed his love. It wasn't like he shut a faucet off, said, you no good sinners. I'm shutting the faucet off of love. No, God's love is always there. The prodigal son is a great story. If if you're ever struggling with sin and you want to read an encouraging story, read in the Bible, Google it about the prodigal son. It will encourage you. So, yeah, you're right. There's a there's a reason why the devil does what he does. But how much more power does that give us to know, you know, like, all right, in the end, God wins. And this is all this is all he's doing. You know, like it's really like when you think about it, like it's really not a big deal. Right. You know, like all right, he's going to come at me with that, but it's really not a big deal because in the end, God wins. So how much easier it is, like you said, put on the full armor of God and combat all that stuff because we know we know his purpose. We know why he's why he's at it. Right. You know, so, yeah. And, and in my life, the two of the biggest weapons that I want to leave people with today are the weapon of confession, right? Confess your sins. Yeah. You know, you could do that on your own, by yourself. Nobody needs to know. You could do it in your car, driving a Wawa, get a cup of coffee, whatever. Repent confess. God says, I'll remember your sins no more. I'll forgive you and remember your sins. And then the other weapon is submit to God. What does that mean? Submit to God. Well, just do what God's asking you to do. You may not be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. When I got in an argument with my wife, I went into the kitchen. I submitted to God. Now I could have stayed in that mode, that angry mode for a month and not talk to my wife or vice versa, her not talk to me. And people do that. And I've done that. Stupid stuff. But man, the faster you repent, the better it is. Yeah. You know, the less consequences you have. So. Well, I hope that that this helps, um, you know, someone out there today, because like I said in the beginning, you got to know, you got to know what's going on so that you can repent. Right. You know, and so many times I've been stuck not even realizing what I'm doing. Right. So I hope that. I hope there's someone out there listening that that's thinking like, oh man, I am in it. You know, I, you know, Satan has, I have allowed Satan to fling these little darts at me, you know, every day to get me, you know, off the path that I'm supposed to be on. You know, it wasn't one big thing. It was a bunch of little things that led me to where I am. And, uh, cause that, that's what's happened to me. And I know that that's how Satan works, you know, in the long run. Like we said, he's in it for the long game. Well, it's great. I think it was a great broadcast and I think it's a good, place to remind people if, uh, if you need any help tj and i would love to help you just go to our website godtaughtme.com we have some resources on there uh, a couple books that are for free one of them is a new book that says who said god won't forgive you so get a hold of that book and uh, let it minister to you and you will defeat and destroy the very work of the devil in your life so god bless you guys and we'll see you next time For more information on anything that Chris is doing, visit GodTaughtMe.com. 
and be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Google Play.